Hello, it's Basha Cummings here. I'm an editor at Tortoise, which is the home of Sweet Bobby, Hoaxed and many more award-winning investigative podcasts. I'm here to tell you about Tortoise Investigates, where we curate the best of our chart-topping investigations in one place. Everything from extraordinary tales of deception to a suspicious killing to one mother's decades-long fight with the police. Just search for Tortoise Investigates wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Tortoise. We've been on the hunt for Tether's Billions, a stablecoin set up by a former Disney child actor fronted by a man with multiple identities. Its finances run by a former plastic surgeon who doesn't speak to press. We end the story where we began. You see that tall building over there? The first Puerto Rican bank. The first Ardeco building in San Juan. Joanna Humphreys is Real Money's series producer, and she has come back to San Juan on this hot and muggy evening because she's planned a rendezvous with Brock Pierce. The venue for this evening is a restaurant. It's called Antonio's. Brock is speaking. We've played this night out in our heads so many times. We've been pursuing Brock throughout because we want to know what he was thinking when he set up the world's most powerful stablecoin, Tether. Is he the dreamer that everyone thinks he is? Tonight, he is speaking at an event in the city. We were not allowed to record the event. The organizer, who was very protective of Brock and initially very suspicious of us, made that really clear. The space kind of reminded me of a Welsh Valley's working men's club. You'd bump into your teacher or your mum's friend who's recently going through a divorce, all in this really small, thickly carpeted space. Brock arrives early. He walks in, I get up, I go over, introduce myself, and I said, you know, we would really love to do this interview with you. Brock passes her over to his PA. She says, write down the questions and she'll send them to Brock's press team so that we can have the answer by the time dinner is finished. I'm kind of sat there with these waiters coming around bringing this soup, and it's coming out really slowly. And then as I'm, like, sipping my soup... She's looking at her phone and I can see that she's typing on WhatsApp. So I'm looking at mine secretly. By this time, Brock is speaking on the panel. A message pops up. I'm sorry that you flew all the way here, but we declined to comment. There are a few courses left before we can understand why. Then, once the desserts are finished... I go over to Brock and I'm like, oh, hey, Brock. I don't think I'm able to talk to you tonight. Your press team have put a block on it. And he was like, what? Oh, 
you know, I really want to speak. Like, I'm a very candid, transparent person. And Brock was haranguing his PA to make sure the right people were being asked and to hurry and answer. He has an enormous amount of influence, just like the coin that he claims to have dreamt up. We know he's meeting with leaders around the world because he's posting about it across his socials. But despite how eager he seems to talk to Joanna, we can't ask him about any of it because there's almost a force field of people around him. And then we exit. We're standing on the street outside. I shake Brock's hand and I'm like, look, you know, it'd be great to... He's like, yeah, yeah, let's sort something out. Maria's going to connect you to the right people. And then he evaporated into thin air. I'm back in the same Puerto Rican traditional canteen that Alex and I were in in August when we were sat here with a mashed plate of plantain waiting for a reply from Brock to find out where the interview was going to be. And now in a poetic but incredibly frustrating narrative arc, I'm sat here again waiting for Brock. Brock evaporated. We got close. It's a pattern that we have been seeing with pretty much everyone we've tried to speak to on this series. And I understand why you might not want to speak to press if you feel like what you say is going to get manipulated, if there's certain outlets that might present your words in a way that has a slant. What we're trying to do is to hold accountable a very small handful of men with an enormous amount of power to find out what their idea was behind something, whether its claims of being backed are true, and if they are true, why they haven't published a full audit. I wanted to go back to Nate Anderson with a balance sheet. I wanted to give his company, Hindenburg Research, something tangible to claim that million-dollar reward they're offering for any new information on Tether. What we have is a trip down the rabbit hole and a view into a revolutionary new reality. I'm Alex Kratoski. This is Real Money from Tortoise Media. By the time Tether came into my life, it had already been the subject of years of intense investigation by the New York Attorney General, the CFTC, and other Tether-obsessed journalists. A lot of the good financial stuff had already been picked over, which is, of course, why Nate was offering a sweet cash reward. But from my point of view, this wasn't going to be a problem. What I am is a psychologist, and to me, Tether is a psychological puzzle, an idea dreamed up by a group of utopians with its own ways and rules. If we learn these and we follow them, they can be the key to the information we're looking for. To start, you've got to find an entrance to the rabbit hole 
and then you can get lost inside it. And from experience, you will always find Cheshire cats willing to guide you the rest of the way. What we found, though, is that this particular slice of online life sticks closer to the dark and dangerous side of Alice's Wonderland, where what should be up was down, and more often than not, 2 plus 2 equals 5. On one of our adventures, I followed the trail of someone who was named in a newspaper article as a tether spokesperson. After a few clicks, I realized this person didn't exist. The account was a sock puppet, a fake account, with just enough social presence to have a footprint, but not enough to have a life. This was just one of an army of these so-called spokespeople that popped up when Tether needed a quick statement for the press. All of them led back to a woman who lives in L.A. Why would you do that? This kind of thing happened all the time in this story, and in person, too. We chased shadows of Brock Pierce's reputation throughout Puerto Rico, painted for us by people who could have been planted as non-playable characters in an online video game. We went to El Salvador, to Bitcoin Beach. We had a confirmed date with the founders. We wanted to talk about utopias. And when they discovered we also wanted to talk about Tether, this happened. How are you today? Uh, really bad. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I wake up today not feeling really well. Oh, so, I'm so sorry. Yeah. But I, I want to present to you Wayne. Hey, Wayne. Hi. Wayne our macadamia nut farmer from episode three. And as we were driving out of San Salvador during a tropical storm, I was reflecting on what that was. I'm really surprised by that. I mean, we weren't there to do a zinger, but the fact that they pushed us away so much has made me want to, like, dig into it. Everywhere we went, entrances to rabbit holes were filled in. It felt like at every stage of this, we were being tested before we could associate with the people involved. For their reasons, it is a community that is extremely tight-knit. In fact, the only people who were willing to speak with us were people who didn't trust Tether. We spent hours digging. Crypto was one of the biggest evolving stories of 2022, so there was a lot to sift through. I just received from the U.S. Department of the Treasury uh, a response to my request to speak with Dr. Yellen. And they have politely decline the request for an interview. We're looking for something from David Leibowitz versus Cascade of names. All of those names are related to the current Tether I want to sort of dig around for when why it was that he wanted to keep his name silent. I mean, it could be absolutely no reason, but um, it just seems so odd. There's this thing that I just read, which is uh, Devasini runs the show rather than Vanderbilt. There are two U.S. banks that connect cryptocurrencies to the fiat world, Silvergate and Signature. And what this article is suggesting is that that is possibly where Tether is keeping its cash. The basis of this assertion is a comparison between the total deposits of these two key banks and Tether's market capitalization, how much Tether's exists in the world. Somebody called Data Finnovation. They went through two U.S. banks that hold a lot of crypto-related USD. They are basically wanting these two banks' U.S. dollar deposits to the be the same speaking, as um, is Tether. Because uh, Chainalysis 
does analysis following Bitcoin and other coins through the blockchain. So in order to gain access to that, you would either need to be an employee of those companies or you'd need like a subpoena from some organization. We are going to come into a big issue with the exchange. So it's basically a, a disclosure document. And within that, there are pages and pages and pages of keywords. And within those words, there's loads of banks so up until this point, we've known about the Bahamas banks. We've known about Deltec. We've known about the, the other bank in the Bahamas, Capital Bank. We know that Tether has other banks, but we don't know who they are or where they reside. In an email correspondence between the lawyers, the plaintiffs request hit reports to be run on specific search terms. Amongst those keywords are a lot of banks. Bank of Colorado, Bank of America, Bank of Montreal... Bank of the Philippine Islands, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, Deltec, Deutsche Bank, Metropolitan Bank, which we now know had a relationship with Tether in 2017. I've got the document that says welcome on board. Noble Bank, Sackville Bank and Trust, Santander. Shanghai Pudong Development is also their signature bank. Establishing why these banks are named or what, if any, relationship they have to Tether is pretty impossible. And we know this because we have spoken with several forensic accountants, an asset investigator, cyber asset recovery specialists, and lawyers specializing in cybercrime. They all told us that these banks will not disclose client information unless requested to by a live investigation. There's also um, lots of wallet addresses. So it would be interesting to see if we can run some analysis of those wallets and whether they're wallets that have previously been investigated by Bennett, who did the investigations on the Tether papers. We cross-referenced those wallet addresses and tracked them across the blockchain until they were abandoned like burner phones. We built maps of all the companies owned by the same people as Tether, from Hong Kong to Canada, Monaco to Milan, Lugano to Astana, and we followed them to the British Virgin Islands. There were so many interconnections, it was a literal tangle of red string. Bennett Tomlin has been pulling at Tether for years. I've been covering this same story for half a decade now, because each time I start to pull on a thread, it seems like it's leading somewhere and then abruptly terminates. I start again somewhere else and pulling on it, and then eventually it terminates. And gradually you see some connections or possible connections between the various threads, but getting it into a complete picture has been challenging. Everything has been locked down, even things you wouldn't expect, because we live in a world where so much information about us is so available. I don't think that any of this obfuscation is accidental. Someone has to have made it their job to wipe everything clean. And to me, it makes whatever they're doing look more suspicious. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why do we trust, psychologically speaking? The short answer is that if you trust someone, you believe that you can rely on what they're going to do next. And that is based on what you know that they have done before. In the case of the people in charge of Tether, we have very little. And what we do have doesn't give any of us a previous reason to trust them. Their CFO is settled out of court on counts of fraud and counterfeiting. Their CEO ran a company that was regularly hauled into Chinese court for failing to pay its bills. Their CTO, the only person with any online history, performs well under pressure. But the explanations he gives for forever delaying the release of the company's accounts feel opposite to his promises to keep everything open and accountable. Up is down, and two plus two equals five. The million dollar question remains, is it possible that they have one dollar in reserves for every tether on the market? We don't know. We do not know for sure. They have never given us any evidence. Human history tells us that it's important to be skeptical about companies that make themselves a mystery that will not be open. Right now, Nate, the bubble popper who set me off on the million-dollar bounty, is unavailable. He's making a lot of money from short-selling a company that his firm, Hindenburg Research, recently exposed, Adani Group. Why was that mystery solvable, but the mystery of Tether's billions not? I have a few theories. Is it because the Adani Group is physical? It has ports and pipes and other places that Nate could go where he could find his evidence, but Tether's place of business is less tangible? Is it because Nate was able to see what was allegedly being hidden with the help of a whistleblower or a leak of Adani's accounts or a money trail that didn't lead to a dead end? like Tether? Or maybe, is it because Adani Group operates in a world where the rules are clear, but in Tether's world, they're murky? Quite possibly all of these. Quite possibly none. But when it comes to Tether, people don't seem to care. It's used, it's traded, without concerns about the reserves when it's time to pull the cash out. What I have seen in the last year of this investigation, though, does not inspire my trust in Tether. Whether they have the capital in their bank account, to me, doesn't matter. And it's this uncertainty that could bring them down. Just a few months ago, the uncertainty brought down the biggest player, Tether's number one customer, Sam Bankman-Fried. FTX and Alameda collapsed because Sam Bankman-Fried made bad business decisions, catastrophic ones, decisions that were only based on hot air. But it wasn't just that. His empire was also based on trust in the things that he stood for and in the utopian ideas that crypto holds dear. Nate is a bubble popper, and ultimately, this is a psychological exercise, not an economic one because bubbles only last until someone points out that they're not real. This is why people in crypto are so afraid of fear and uncertainty and doubt, FUD, because all anyone really has to go on is blind faith. 
when Sam went to his friends to try and get some help for those bad business decisions, those friends steered clear of his exploding airship. And when that went public, FUD. So the bubble that kept FTX and Alameda Research's fairy tale going, it went pop. We've been investigating a company that has no accountability, characters who've had dodgy business deals in their pasts, and federal fines for commingling funds. They appear to be bulletproof. Tether is the thing that keeps the dream going. It is an idea that people need so much, they've made it real. But all of that could change with a simple pop. This has been Real Money from Tortoise Media. This series was reported by me, Alex Kratoski. It was written by me and Joanna Humphreys. The producer is Joanna Humphreys. Sound design is by Carla Patella. Original theme is by Tom Kinsella. The executive producer is Carrie Thomas. Tortoise members and Tortoise Plus subscribers on Apple Podcasts get exclusive and ad-free access to Real Money, as well as Tortoise's other investigative series. Simply subscribe to Tortoise Plus on Apple Podcasts or join Tortoise as a member, where you will also get invites to exclusive events in our newsroom. Go to tortoisemedia.com slash realmoney for a special offer to become a member today. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.